So Ryan wrote this Here we go. blog post-ish thing, and he said that the world tends to push kids to the side as incomplete people or lesser contributors to society. Jesus shows us a different way. And while I agree with that, I also disagree with that because I think- How a, dare you? <laughs> I think that a lot of the world's focus and influence and mm-hmm. money and marketing is going towards young people. It's going towards our children. It is attacking them. It is putting them on the altar of- sacrificing the culture, whatever the world says is good, you know, all those things. And so I- Some I th- pretty big claims there, but okay. Okay, well, I, I don't think, I think in one sense, maybe the world does tend to push kids aside or we do as parents because we think there's hmm, some okay. bigger purpose that we're trying to pursue. But on the other side of that coin, I do think that the world is pursuing children at a young age through sex education, um, all of those, I don't even want to open that up, but- <laughs> I do think that children are being more pursued than they have in the past. And so we want to talk about what is our mission as parents. Um, and these are children that have been given to us by God. They are arrows uh, in our quiver. How can we aim and shoot them? How can we release them okay. into the world that God uh, has for them years down the road when we may not be around? And so how do we do that well? Yeah. We're going to talk about that today. We'll see you on the other side. Sometimes I just start talking and I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> how dare you? Is that what just, you're saying I'm doing? think of it. Stop. <laughs> seems a little bit. It's okay. No, because I think you, you feel like you're pushing back against an idea that I floated out there into the interwebs and then that makes you question. Question some things. It's okay yeah. to ask questions. It's good to ask questions. I don't know. I mean, you, you, make, you make mention that you know the, the world is targeting youth. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a certain battlefront that is the heart and mind of a child, mm-hmm. right? And so there's definitely some, you know, if you want to put people, you know, put categories around things, I think there's ways to, to make a case for that. Mm-hmm. I, I think what I was more getting at is um, this notion that, yeah, like when you are asking in, in the household, right? I think there, there's a lot of dignity to be had by acknowledging, hey, you child, though you are less you know, intelligent, you're less developed, you're less whatever, the frontal cortex is not there, <laughs> your reasoning skills aren't there. I still value you as an as a complete human being. Right. And I'm going to uh, I'm gonna respect you as a complete human being, but I'm also gonna require something of you as a complete I'm, I'm not gonna just let you re- remain foolish. Right. You can be right. childlike, but you can't I'm not gonna stand by while foolishness well, flourishes. And, and you're also saying that that work should be valued and a priority Whereas some people would say children are kind of in the way of things, right? They're kind of in the way of me as a parent, what I'm supposed to be doing, working, you know, taking you guys everywhere. It just kind of can get this underlying feeling that kids are in the way. But And where this, and I know we're going to get into the intro material, but where this gets is most prevalent is in the abortion debate because of when you start really pressing into that debate, uh, you know, we are very pro-life. We are pro-full life, um, and we know, and we believe and know science would tell us and back this up that life, human life, begins at conception, and therefore it's worthy of value right. and and protection, right. and it's and it's in the image of God at conception. That's that's been <laughs> that's science, all that kind of. Stuff. Anyway, the point is when you really press into that debate and you talk to people about um, the reasons why you would say otherwise, and it's almost always going to going to boil down to that person's worth as a, as a function of their size, location, level mm-hmm. of development. And those all those arguments usually uh, have very dire 
ways of playing themselves out mm-hmm. down the line. Um, and you can get some people that really want to hold, they, they're at least consistent and they hold fast to it. And they'll say, yeah, even at a certain, at a certain age post birth, a child should rightfully be, this yeah. is kind of a, a rabbit hole I'm going down. The point is, is we don't, as a society, and the proof is in the societal pudding, <laughs> we don't value kids as much. That's, right. that's the only point I'm trying to say. <laughs> so I, as Christians, we have to, we must, right. and we should from the point of conception on. Well, and some friends so. of ours, we interviewed on our podcast. It's an interview by Matt and Lisa Jacobson. I think they have nine children. Uh, and they said something really profound to us. They said, children are never in the way of what God is doing in the world. Children are what God is doing in the world, which is... That's interesting because I I agree with, because I, I know them, I, yes. I agree with the sentiment. But we do have also a culture on the other side of this that Absolutely. we idolize our kids and we right. put them at the very center of our universe. Well, of course, we're and sinful. And that is also a very unhealthy place to be. Right. And we're sinful. We're we, go on, um, we go on the two extremes instead of... You know, we're constantly seeking, okay, yeah. where's the Lord leading us? Yeah. How is he leading us in this? Anyways, before we get into more of that conversation, uh, I'm Selena. This is Ryan. Hey. We are the faces of the fierce family and the Fredericks and all the fierce things. So if you want to support us, I guess, follow, subscribe, smash that subscribe button, follow yeah. us on your inner webs. <laughs> Just you're nailing the podcast. You nail this part. Yep. From now on, this is going to be the thing you do. Ratings and reviews. Just anyway, thanks for being here with us. (laughs) We value your time, and we we hope to make it useful for you. Um, And we're thankful that you would give us your attention and your eyes and or ears. Okay, so just to be clear, our mission here is to point you to Christ in this conversation, and to commission you as parents into Mm -mm. the work of the gospel, namely in how you parent your, your kids. So. Uh, let's talk about this. So the overall kind of what's the title of this episode? You've got missional parenting and or your greatest contribution. <laughs> you wrote it. So <laughs> I didn't write this. Our greatest contribution. Okay. So if the Bible calls children arrows in the hand of a warrior, Psalms 127, mm. 4. Uh, and if you are the warrior, which you are as a parent, right? And your kids are the arrows. Then what could that mean for today? What every day is an opportunity to fashion them, to mold them, to shape them, to Mm -hmm. sharpen them, to prepare them, and then eventually release them, right? We're aiming, we're releasing in some way. And so God's word also teaches us that children are a blessing, they're a heritage, Mm -hmm. they're not a distraction from the important things. They are the important things, right? Um, Not in an idolistic way, but in an actual God-ordering way. Um, So that is what we're talking about. We're looking at Jesus's example. Uh, He shows us kind of this different way of of loving children. He told his disciples to let the children alone, Matthew 18, right? He calls us to have faith like a child. Uh, He welcomes them. He loves them. And it's not like these perfect little children came up to Jesus that were just quiet and well-mannered. I'm sure they were drooling. I'm sure they had dirt all over them and they were stinky and they were probably loud and annoying and crazy. And he was not impatient with them. He was like, let the little children come to me. And he stops what he does to teach um, us to be like them. What comes to mind is when I was in high school, I went on a mission trip to Mexicali. I believe, yeah, it was in Mexicali. When did you do that? And there was a church there. This was <laughs> this was before high school. This would have been actually in eighth, oh, summer okay. after eighth grade. I was like, grade. I don't remember you doing this. We knew and each other a long time. We were doing a vacation Bible school thing at a you know at a church there in Mexicali, um, and they you know the Mex the Mexican children are just they they it's like they they know like when you come to 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 minister to work to volunteer they know that you bring with you a bounty <laughs> of what. Uh, 
treats. Well, things, whatever the kids are into, right? Attention, right. food, candy, um, you know, gullibleness. <laughs> anyway, so I, what, bring, what the picture that you just described, Jesus sitting there and he's saying, let the kids come, mm-hmm. is it reminds me of when these kids, when you first arrive there, they're just so, you're just so enamored with them. Cause you're like, look at these kids. They're just so cute and adoring and they want my attention and I'm willing to give it to them because I have all the energy and all this excitement. And then day five, day six rolls on. You're like, okay, okay just give me some space. <laughs> I get it. I get it, Miguel. Give me some space. Back up. <laughs> And of course, that's where God begins to work in your own heart and says, right. hey, let the children come. Yes. Let the children come. Not, and, not let the children come until your patience runs yes, out. Yes. <laughs> until you're... Until you feel until tired. Until you've gotten what you want from them. Right. No, it's right. like, now it's time to actually press into that like self-sacrifice part of the gospel that we so quickly <laughs> will gloss over and forget about. That's so true. So we have five ways of how we can be molding, sharpening, preparing, aiming, and releasing them, right? Those are the five ways. So we're going to bury the lead here real fast because the the greatest contribution where that comes from is a quote. And I can't remember. So this was actually originally an Instagram quote mm-hmm. that turned into a blog post. Mm-hmm. And it says, consider that maybe your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God will be the children that you raise. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we think in terms of what is my ministry? What is the craft or the, the thing that I'm called to do <laughs> as a minister of the gospel? Because I will be the agent that God uses to enact some change, whether it's in the church or through my work, or if we're asking these questions of ourselves. And Humbly I think, asking these yes, questions. Yes, exactly. I and, think there's and, a whole other. God, how can I be used by you? And yes. the consideration here is maybe the primary way or one major way that God is planning to use you or is using you is in how you raise your children. Right. It's not something that's out there outside of your home yes. necessarily, which, so, yes, God calls us out there. But, so that's what we mean yes. by missional parenting mm-hmm. or your greatest contribution as as what, that's I love that you answered that he asked me that and I was like he knows the answer to this I'm well, sure because I, I hadn't really... yet gotten there because I, I didn't I didn't read this it's okay. uh, until it's just good. now so. it's um, real time people when we got a lot of content to produce we we, we uh divide and conquer yes so what are these five ways Selena what do you got these five ways so, that so you helped me come up with <laughs> Um, okay, I will read through them quickly and right. then we will kind of go through them a little bit slowly because we have a couple points in our each that we want to share with you. So first of all, we mold them by lovingly correcting them. Mm. Second, we sharpen them by consistently instructing them in God's word. Third, we prepare them by thoughtfully engaging them in conversation. Fourth, we aim them by giving them godly guidance. And fifth, we release them by entrusting them into God's hands at the various stages Ooh. of their lives. That sounds scary. Release. The, don't like that. Don't like that. Not when you have little kids right now and you're like, I love you. And they're like, we love you. <laughs> Most of the time. I, they still come running when I, when they I drive do. in the driveway. They do. We so, mold them. Number one. So we mold them by lovingly correcting them. Right. So discipline, obviously, this is kind of the conversation that we're having uh, about this point. Talking about, you know, mm. teaching them about, you mentioned earlier about, we don't want them to be fools in our home, right? right. We don't want, we want to teach them yeah. uh, the value, that we value discipline, that we mm. value order. The Bible's full of ver- verses, I was going to say verbs, verses on discipline. Yeah. Hebrews twelve eleven. for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Proverbs 12, 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Pause there because (laughs) think about this because that passage is talking about someone who is receiving the discipline. Mm. So we can instruct our children and say, listen, young daughter, young son, when I discipline you, you need to learn to love it. 
because it's going to produce in you mm. something that's everlasting, something that's good, that's pleasing to God. Now think about yeah. it. Now think about it from this side. As a parent, I need to love discipline for myself, but also love discipline in the life of my child. Yeah. So often I think we avoid discipline or we avoid true discipline. Like we're quick to correct behavior, especially mm-hmm. like if it's embarrassing us in public or if it's <laughs> if it's frustrating, annoying, or it's causing the you know the kids to fight. We're very quick to say, stop the thing, do this other thing. But discipline is so much more than that. It's It involves a, a dissemination of knowledge over a series of steady rebukes, steady, uh, you're imparting to them the wisdom of God mm-hmm. and you're correcting them. It's, it's much more fine-tuned than just, yeah. it's not just, you know, the big adjustments. It's the fine-tuning along the way. We need to love that process yeah. as parents yeah. because... Uh, we, we love knowledge when we do so. And as the proverb writer says, says, but he who loves or hates reproof or hates discipline, receiving and mm. or giving is profound biblical term here is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's not be stupid people. Right. Um, uh, first Corinthians nine twenty seven. but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to mm. others, I myself should be disqualified. So we see discipline linked to self-control, which is also a fruit of the spirit. Well, it speaks to the consistency of the truth and how it should bear the equal weight on us as it weighs on our children and those we are reproving. Absolutely. Otherwise we lose credibility in, in our kids' eyes. That's when they start, you hear parents say things like, do as I say, not as I do. Right. Uh, that's not the biblical way. Right. We are to model it while also instructing in it. Right. So we mold them by lovingly correcting them, not just replacing the behavior with a distraction, although that might be the age Mm. and stage that you're at with children in terms of training them, but molding them gently. It takes time. We're teaching them about foolishness, reading the Bible, which is number two. We sharpen them by consistently instructing them in God's word. Well, how how can we do that every day? We got school. We got all the things. How do we do that? Uh, first of all, we would say scripture memory. There are so many resources and tools out there to learn by song, to listen in the car, to do it, mm-hmm. whatever, to make, make sure that those are bound, that wisdom is bound around their neck. It's written on the tablets of their heart. Yeah. It's hanging on the doorposts. It's, you're teaching them the things of God at when they rise, when they go, when they come, whatever, Deuteronomy 6. It's, there's so many ways. There's really no excuses for us as parents to not be consistently instructing them in God's word. Okay, I hear what you're saying. There are no. I'll doesn't say. Doesn't like when I say those there, things. Well, you said there's no excuses. What if I'm I said on my there's deathbed? Really, no excuses. Which means there's really there's what few if, excuses. What if I'm you know deployed overseas and I'm no longer where my children are? Right. So yeah. there are there. I think there are some reasons to not do this. Reasons, not excuses. Though. <laughs> Let's define our okay. words here. You can still read potato, together, potato. right? We can read the Bible together. We can discuss I'm just, it. I'm trying to at least acknowledge some yes, of the common reasons. I'm not reasons saying that. that I'm not give. trying to. Okay, broad this is why I'm here. <laughs> this is why we're here. There. So the thing is, we need to prioritize it, and that's why I think in Deuteronomy and in many places in Scripture, we see it worded the way it is, is because it's not just a behavior that we choose to engage in you know, well, one not, time a day. It's yeah. it's it's the very water that we swim in. It saturates us. Yes. If we are to instruct our children in these things, they actually need to be instructive to us. Right. It's not supplemental. Of, it's the primary. Right. But if I'm not, if we are not ourselves yeah, valuing you, God's word, we can't teach something our we're not. kids will see through us yeah. a mile away yeah. and they will, they will learn to say the right things, but they'll never, they'll never internalize, internalize it. it yeah. um, and so I think that's part of it. We, we sharpen them by consistently instructing them in God's word because... God's word is consistently instructing us. Right. Well, the thing about God's word is it's alive and it's active. And 
you want to discuss it. Our kids want to discuss and talk about these things. They don't get old. The conversations don't get boring. Uh, these are things that yeah. we want to do together. And so instructing them in God's word, again, scripture, memory, reading it together, reading the Bible, discussing these things together, whether in family devotions, have them, if they're old enough, maybe do some reading on their own um, and have questions that you go through yeah. with them on a consistent basis. And also uh, being a regular part of the body of Christ, being a part of a church that's passionate about pursuing knowledge and understanding of God's word. Uh, is also contributing to that instructing them in God's word. Good. Number three, I love this one. We prepare them by thoughtfully engaging with them in conversation. Mm. Reason why I love this one is because we have our oldest is eight, and so Soon many, to be t- nine. and so we don't know all there is. I mean, gladly, proudly, do not know everything there is to know <laughs> about parenting. We don't. We've never parented anyone older than eight and a half years old, <laughs> as of the recording of this video. <laughs> But what's really cool is we've been able to engage with the community of Christ, and we have children of all the way up to 16 years old mm-hmm. um, in our in our really close knit community, um, church community. There are obviously older kids in the wider spread church community, but we were able to interact very closely with. And so I think sometimes people look at us and say, "Well, yeah, your kids want to know about Scripture because they're at that age where everything's interesting and they want they have lots of questions, and it's kind of just low hanging fruit." And yeah, I, I don't want to invalidate that, but I also want to say we know these older 14, 15, 16-year-old mm-hmm. kids, and they are some of the most inquisitive, engaging young adults when it comes to the things of God. Mm-hmm. And I, and so I don't think it's an age thing is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And so this to me speaks to maybe the next phase when you're thoughtfully engaging them in conversation. Well, and like you said, I think it also uh, is a, a attribution to, I know their mom personally, right? And so I know that she has thoughtful, she has undistracted, very engaging conversations with her children on a daily basis. So then that's something we would ask you. Do you have Mm. those thoughtful, engaging um, conversations with your children on a daily basis? It looks different, right? The ages and stages look different. You're not gonna have the same conversation you would with a five-year-old versus a 16-year-old, but Mm. are we practicing these things at a young age? Are we practicing having some conversations of substance with our young people, young, young, and older mm. young, right? So how can we do that? Become a good question asker. Become, model being a good listener, right? We It's a skill. And you it can, is. You can learn to ask questions that are more open-ended. And so my favorite question to ask our daughters is, how did that make you feel when you heard me say that? What, what did you feel? Right. Not do you agree or what, do, you know, but really giving them a chance, a chance to examine and express what's going on in their heart as a result of whatever the thing is. It could be scripture. It could be, you know, looking at a painting or hearing a song or seeing Mm -hmm. a show, whatever the thing is. But those are the types of engaging questions. And there's also like, it is a skill to be developed, not that we've mastered it, Mm -hmm. but you can then continue without prying, carry on the conversation in a way that's very masterful so that your your child is learning how to engage with the things of God. And sometimes um, that means that. busy hands. Maybe that means mm-hmm. you're playing Legos with your kids and you're saying, hey, I noticed you got a little upset about this thing. Like, how did that make you feel, right? My five-year-old loves to play Legos. So we can talk while her hands are busy and they kind of think and then words just start flowing. It's a really great way to kind of begin those conversations, yeah. whether it's if it's older kids, maybe it's going on a walk or throwing a football or something that is sort of engaging, not just sitting there with all the pressure, mm-hmm. like facing one another saying, so how you feeling, right? <laughs> so we can also model these types of conversations with our, with each other as, mm-hmm. as, as spouses, right? It's okay for children to see their parents working things out in front of them. Um, bring your children into the conversation and explain what you're discussing. Obviously, it's got to be age appropriate, but also like, why are you discussing that? You know, we, we've talked about how 
what do we value about a church? You know, for the last two years, we haven't been able to attend a church. And now we're, we're, we have, I mean, well, like a, a bigger, a larger so church people, if you don't know, through the we, pandemic. We've had a, 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 had a, yeah. a group of five, uh, 10, six to I'll say 11 families yeah. who've been gathering kind of as a home church. Um, not completely isolated. We've been talking to other church leaders and we are now in the stage of transitioning out of that mm-hmm. and finding a larger, you know, formal church structure. And we're all trying right. to find, but that was our church community. So it wasn't. Right. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying now we're having the conversations of, okay, why do we not do church at home every Sunday? And why are we exploring another church? And what does that look like? What are the things that mm-hmm. we value in that type of community? So you're adding value to the child saying, hey, come and listen to this conversation. Or if you see that they're they're watching you, like engage them, right? Yeah. And they're catching more from you. They're more is caught yeah. than taught. So number four. Okay, uh, we aim them by giving them godly guide, guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we're a picture of raising them up, training them, molding them, crafting them. And now we're pulling back the bowstring mm-hmm. and aiming. And and so at some point, you're going to have to release the, the, the arrow. We're not yet to that stage. Right. But instead, we're aiming them and saying, this is the direction that we are, as the people of God, called to walk in. This is the straight and narrow path. I can't walk it for you, right. child. But I can aim you, and I can show you, and I can introduce you right. to the, the trailhead. Um, and that's through discipleship. Through, yeah, one-on-one. Uh, so, family yeah. Family discipleship. Family worship, family discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do daddy-daughter dates, which is really just a dis- discipleship in disguise. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to show them, you know, the various aspects of what it means to be a, a young lady. And as a father, you know, showing her what it might look like to, God forbid, go on a date someday with somebody <laughs> that's not me. Never. <laughs> you know, and so there's a discipleship component to that. Most of our discipleship happens at the breakfast table and yeah. at the dinner table. Yeah. Um, when they're a captive audience. And I love it because many times at breakfast, because Selena's awesome, we'll have um, biscuits almost, you know, many times a week. No, once a week. <laughs> once or twice a week. Feels like a lot. I'm not a biscuit fan. <laughs> so maybe, but the kids love biscuits, uh, homemade. And so they they will, um, you know, they're just honey and jelly fiends. <laughs> and so I make it a point, like, eat all the kind of not sweet stuff. And then when I'm reading scripture to you, eat the sweet stuff so that there's this Pavlovian thing happening. <laughs> scripture uh, is sweet. The word of God is sweet. sweet. But we also, so discipleship, one-on-one, um, family worship, and then also through the body of Christ, right? Let us never give up gathering and meeting. And are there mm-hmm. older teens? Like are your kids the 9, 10, 11 age? Are there older teens, 16, 17, 18, people that you trust that can pour into your children's hearts uh, that you mm. that maybe can kind of take them under their wing, the awkwardness, right, of all. We always kind of want that next generation to be involved with the one behind it. Uh, One way that we can also observe and start um, instilling the values of a Christian and godly woman is by reading books with them, like biographies. We read about martyrs and saints that have gone before us and Christians. Uh, What kind of traits did they Mm. have and how does that actually define what who a hero is uh, in terms of a biblical standard right you can define those things you can discuss those things they have books That's so huge. they have books for kids also i want to say one more thing don't interrupt yet they <sighs> have books ywam puts them out and it's like books about gladys aylward elizabeth elliott uh jim elliott and they're pictures and they're great for ages i mean three to seven or eight maybe and then there's another version after that also on giving them godly guidance one thing i would recommend is probably going through uh the the little pilgrim's progress like getting a little one not the children's like pilgrim's progress version uh is really incredible because i think it just it's so it just lays out 
I think the Christian life and it demystifies that it's always good and it's always fun and as long as you're obedient, like all these things, right? And so I think it really lays out uh, the godly character uh, of God and his guidance through uh, all of these hard challenges that uh, Christian and Christiana face. So also model seeking godly guidance. Once again, bringing your kids into the hard conversation if it's appropriate. Having them watch you and your spouse seek the kingdom Seek guidance from mm-hmm. first God's word, second through prayer, and third through community in the body of Christ. Okay, now you can talk. Sorry. I have, I have now been released. Sorry. I wanted to say those things before so I forgot. So I sometimes want to have a conversation with you. That's I know, why, but I was I, told you I was super excited about this. Okay. Well, I know that that's, that's, that's time for Ryan to... Oh, you could have talked now. I could have, but okay. you know what? I need to express myself. <laughs> um, you know, kids are tempted to make models, right? They, 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 they look for models, I mm-hmm. should say. And sure. so we have input as parents into the types of models that we are encouraging our children to enshrine in the place of a model. Mm-hmm. Not saying as an idol, but as a model, somebody right. who shows the, the character of God in a way that they can really, you know, really clearly see and in, in some cases identify with. And obviously this, the characters in scripture mm-hmm. will do that. Um, and that let us look there. But yes, like these martyrs or these you know saints and people that were actually looking at them and saying this this is what a, based on what we know and believe in the God who we serve, this is what a model looks like. Mm-hmm. Looking at you know the Elizabeth Elliots and the Martin Luthers, yeah, people and the who were Spurgeons poured out for for the gospel, yeah, people that were wrung out, yeah, and and, and that went un- endured hardship. And hopefully, you you have relationships with people that are like that too. It's not just yeah. people out in the ether that you're reading about, but you know, you, you see and get to interact with people in, in your community. Final one um, is what we release them by entrusting them into God's hands at the various stages of their lives. Right. So we say various stages because um, we have to trust at the various stages. Okay. Yeah. When they're headed off to college, that's a very visceral trust. Like you don't know any, like you've given up control at that point, almost on, not on every level, but in a lot more ways than ever before. Right, there's, they have a lot more freedom. You're giving, yeah, and you're trusting that God is with them and God is going to guide them right. when you are not there to guide them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the teaching and instruction that you've imparted into them will continue to guide them. Um, and so that's a huge level of trust. We have here, there's two distinct levels of trust. Okay, first, we must trust that our worth, and this is huge, isn't determined <laughs> by what we do or accomplish when it comes to worldly ambitions in terms, especially in terms of parenting. Yeah. So we trust that if our child decides to follow Christ, we can't get puffed up by that. Look at all the good that I did. Mm-hmm. We, I think we can be really thankful mm-hmm. and we can look to God and say, wow. We can be glad and wow, rejoice. Yes. Thank you for using my efforts to bear this righteous fruit in my child's life. If they go off the rails, it's going to naturally make you question, okay, why, what did I do to make them go off the mm-hmm. rails? The reality is, you could check all the boxes and love them well, and they still could fall to into a deception, mm-hmm. right? And so that that is, you can still care for your child and 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 long for and pray for their reconciliation to Christ mm-hmm. without getting wrapped around that axle yourself and mm-hmm. saying it's all my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm a horrible parent. Yeah. Um, ultimately, it's God's prerogative, who He calls and when. And so you can trust him in that level. And the second way that we trust is we must trust our kids continually into the hands and plans of God. Mm. So we're trusting that our worth is not in how they come out, how they turn out, I should say. And we trust, and we also trust that God is always working. Right. Uh, and he will, he will 
even if we don't see it, we have to still trust him. Right. So on that note, on the trust note, if you are hearing us talk and you're, uh, you know, you're still with us and you're wondering, what does it mean to trust God with my kids? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, it starts by trusting God with your very soul. And we have a God who is not far away. He's not distant. He has, he's imminent. He's in and among mm-hmm. us through the Holy Spirit. He also joined humanity through Jesus Christ himself. The son came down into the, the, the incarnate, the incarnate Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. lived a perfect life, died the death we should have died and didn't stay dead. Mm-hmm. He was resurrected. Um, and now he has ascended into heaven and reigns in glory. Place your trust in the man, Jesus Christ, the God man, Jesus Christ. When you do, he stands in your place and he he, the scriptures say that he contends on your behalf. Mm. He, he, uh, he is praying to the Father on your behalf. And, sh- and God has made, he sees us as righteous because mm. of what the Son has done. Amen. And that's when we place our trust in him. So we're inviting you into that. If you want to know more, go to this website. It's thenewsisgood.com. We set that up for you. Uh, we hope that it points you in the right direction. Um, with that said, check out, I want to make mention of this, check out fierceparenting.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of resources there. This isn't just a podcast. It's actually a whole ministry there. We have eBooks that are available to you. We have, if you're not watching this on YouTube, go to the YouTube channel, hit subscribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to, if you're a reader, we have articles there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have all sorts of resources and links out. We have scriptures for your kids at the various ages and stages. We're getting some merch going too. That's, yep, that's all there for you. And we're <laughs> actually writing books as well. And we have a ton of other resources for the various ages and stages of kids that are going to be available at some point in the future, near future. So yeah, um, with that said, finally, and then we'll pray. Okay. If you want to partner with us, go to fierceparenting.com slash partner. This ministry would not be sustainable if it weren't for the faithfulness mm-hmm. and the generosity of our patrons. Thank you. If that's you, if it's not you and you feel led, pray about it and check out fierceparenting.com slash partner. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the gift it is to be a parent. Mm-hmm. I thank you for these children and the promises that you've given us as parents that when you raise them up in the way they should go, they will not depart from it. Lord, may that be true in our lives. We trust that that you are sovereign over every decision we make as parents and help us to know what it means to obey and follow you and then give us the courage and uh, and, and wisdom to go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this episode of Fierce Parenting is... In the can. <laughs> We'll see you again in seven days. Until next time. Stay fierce.